0: Um, I do not know exactly what he was trying to say, because he was breaking up a lot. But today I am going to be reading, because my sister has a baseball, or a softball game, I mean, I'm going to reading chapter 10 of The Ensign to the Nations by Eugen Kraut. Um, chapter 10, page 126, Can Leaders Lead a Strike, is what it's called. Um, and I don't think he has anything to say, because he is breaking up a lot. I hope you can hear me. So, starting off. You cannot lead a person astray unless that person is willing to be led astray. Heber Kimball, Journal of Discourses, uh, 1289. During a seven-mile cross-country race in Malaysia, the lead runner took a wrong turn, and all the other racers followed him, running about 10 miles before the race officials found them. We think how stupid the racers were to follow the lead runner so blindly. But many times in our earthly experience, we play follow the leader. Uh-huh. A
1: song of praise, a sound that resonates, that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor.
2: Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this radio.com forward slash Fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted.
3: Today is the 14th day of June 2021. The guest caller number is 917-889-8827. The chat room is up and running at blogtalkradiocom forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Tonight we're going to be reading chapter 10 of the Holy Priesthood, volume 5, Can Leaders Lead the Church Astray? Starting on page 126, we're going to try to get to 146. Tonight, my son is going to be reading. Emmett, uh I'm using your mic. Hello,
0: everyone. <laughs>
3: my uh, daughter gets all the attention because she's doing the whole softball thing, and they had two games that were at 8 o'clock at night.
0: Oh, you're breaking up a lot.
3: Hear me, Emma?
0: I can hear you now. You broke up a lot.
3: Oh man. I'm climbing Barrel Hill right now on Highway Six south of Price. I'm almost to the top, but basically what I was saying is my daughter plays softball and she has two games on the schedule for eight o'clock at night. The last one was last Thursday which is why I wasn't on, and then um, on Thursday. And then the uh, the other 8 o'clock game is tonight, so, so Kim won't be able to read, but Emmett is a really good reader, so he's going to read for us tonight while I drive in my truck like I always do. Um, I'll dedicate the program, and we'll get right into the reading. Uh, you got the book open, Emmett?
0: Yep, and I have it pulled up on my tablet, too, just in case.
2: <laughs> Good deal.
3: Um, so, Emma was referring to the text online has been posted at facebook.com forward slash L-A-V-U-R-U-S 1977. That's my Facebook page. You can follow me or friend request me if I have room. I think I've got... Right around 4,950 followers, are, are, well, friends, on Facebook, on my public profile, and then I've got like six or 700 above that that just follow me that did not friend or trust me. Now, if it does get to the point, anyone out there, that I want to uh, follow this radio program or my ministry or whatever... And it won't let you add. uh, As a friend, you can always just follow me on, uh, follow my profile. You can also find the text to this at Zion's Redemption Radio Network, which is a Facebook page, Zion's Redemption uh, Bookstore, which is a Facebook page. There's two Facebook pages for Church of the Living Messiah. I only made one, but since I have a public profile, Uh, And since the public ministry or whatever, Facebook auto-made one, so I took that on, too. So, anyway, there's a couple other places. I post in the LDS Gospel Mysteries and the LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions. And uh, we just try to stick to gospel-related stuff in there not a lot of current events I don't like a lot of politics and a lot of news Uh, so but if you are interested in the restoration from whatever branch of the restoration whether you're a mainstream Brighamite Mormon uh, based out of Salt Lake or a community of Christ based out of uh, I think Independence Missouri or whether you're a fundamentalist from the uh, AUB, or the FLDS, or the Kingston Group, or the All Reds, or the, the Righteous Branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Church of Living Nephi, whatever, uh, anybody who is interested in the Restoration is welcome to post there. All right, you can also follow me on TikTok by searching for Fundamentally Mormon 1977. So... All right, uh, I'll dedicate the program. Uh, book, what book are we uh, in, in the green book? Which which volume of Enzymes of the Nations is uh, on that?
0: Specifically, we are in Enzymes of the Nations by Ogden Kraut, volume two. Uh, I don't know exactly what page it is. Oh, it's page 905. Well, and right. Holy Priest, volume five, chapter 10. <laughs> yeah. So, also, you can read all of these books for free
3: online. You don't have to. You don't have to buy the books. It's all available to read for free online at OgdenCrowd.com. When you get on OgdenCrowd.com, you read on the uh, go on the main page and just look down a little bit, and it'll say "Read Ogden's books." Click on that, and you'll find seventy something uh, books or booklets that he wrote. Some of them are short. Most of them are long. They're 73, I think, or 78 or something like that. And uh, all different topics of the Restoration, really good stuff. But basically all Ogden did was uh, he read a lot. And he read, like, Journal of Discourses, Doctrinal History of the Church, Correlated History of the Church, Brigham uh, Young Journals, Wilford Lutheran Journals, like everything he'd get his hands on as well as some other stuff that was more secular or even just religious. Uh, Just a ton of stuff. And he had it all in his mind. And uh, the first book he wrote was Jesus Was Married. And that started his career writing books. for. uh, And he was asked by David O. McKay to preserve true doctrine, too. So so he did it under church. uh, But then Marky Peterson decided that he wanted to excommunicate him because you're not allowed to believe in the Adam-God Doctrine, even though it was taught in the church from 1852 until well after Brigham Young's death in 1877. So, all right, let's get into the program. Chat room's open, like I said, and I'll dedicate, and then Emma, you go ahead and start reading. We'll be on page 126. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We dedicate this time unto thee, Father, for the learning of the true doctrine that was restored in the restoration, that we might understand the principles of true doctrine and come to thee and learn how to be the prophets, the kings, priests, priests, and priestesses that thou would have us be. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for the redemption of uh, our sins for the atonement through the blood of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus Christ. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, Emmett, I'll uh, mute it. I'll mute my mic at the end of every page, finish the quote or the sentence, and then, uh, and then you can ask me if there's anything I have to say, and I will chime in if I can. If I can't chime okay. in after uh, two or three seconds, I'll say anything. That just means I'm in a bad area. I'm probably listening. It's just I can't talk all the time. So go ahead. Take it away,
0: Emma. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to take it away if you so interestingly stated. <laughs> Chapter 10, page 126, Can Leaders Lead Astray? First with a quote. You cannot lead a person astray unless that person is willing to be led astray. He reached Kimball Journal of Discourses 12, 189. During a seven-mile cross-country race in Malaysia, the lead runner took a wrong turn and all the other racers followed him, running about 10 miles before the race officials found them. We think how stupid the racers were to follow the lead runner so blindly. But many times in our earthly experience, we play follow the leader because it's too difficult to make the effort to learn if the leader is actually heading in the right direction. Occasionally, someone will come along who stops long enough to study out where that front man or men are leading. The savior could be considered in this category. Uh, there was a full-fledged race going when he came upon the the scene. All the runners were following the leaders. They were pushing with all they had to keep up 3 be racing with the crowd. The leaders had always run their path, and they never questioned its authenticity. They simply took for granted that the runner in the front was going the right way. Then he came to the race. He saw where those who were supposed to be, heading, uh, to be leading the race were headed. And he knew that that was not the path that the judge had set for the race. So he stopped, took notes of the roads, and headed off in another direction. In another direction. Since he was the leader in this new direction, the leaders that were going in the other direction became very angry that he should do such a thing. Why didn't he follow them like all the other runners? Of course, the only thing he could do was belittle him and eventually get rid of him he could prove dangerous to the course they were leading. Somehow, this same idea of following the leader that prevailed back then is still around today. American Families Association Newsletter, Dr. Donald E. Wildman, uh, President, Presenting, uh, Tupelo, or Tupelo, Missouri, MS. Uh, that is page 127. Dad, anything to say?
3: I, I just think it's funny that these guys are like following these leaders and they're thinking, this is a seven-mile race, how far have we gone? And they're probably like, is the race over yet? Are we almost there? I don't understand. Why aren't we getting to where we need to be? And that's kind of the same in the church. We're following the leaders who have gone down a wrong path. The whole goal is Zion's redemption and it should have been done already we should have been doing all the things that we could have been doing you know the church has hundred and thirty billion dollars in one enzyme account why are there united orders sixteen million members and not one united order you know like there's all kinds of excuses as to why we don't do what we're supposed to do but it's just because we're following leaders that have led us astray as jesus said would happen in section 85. I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order. So, Anyway, go ahead, uh, Emmett.
0: Okay, continuing on from that quote. For over a century, various LDS church leaders have declared that the Lord would not allow them to lead anyone astray. Why is that? Are the saints too righteous? Are the leaders infallible? infallible, uh, Or or, are their leadership positions too sacredly protected. Is it possible that those in leadership positions are put into a spiritual isolation bowl or they are protected from temptation, unrighteous desires, or apostasy? Rick and Young apparently didn't think any of these questions could be answered in the affirmative, for he commented, um, how often has it been taught that if you depend entirely upon the voice, judgment, and sagacity, sagacity, of those appointed to lead you and neglect to enjoy the spirit for yourselves, how easily you may be led into error and finally be cast off to the left hand. Journal of Discourses uh, eight fifty nine And what is the fate of those who lead others astray? The scriptures say Whoso causes the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. Uh Proverbs, I believe, twenty eight ten. Joseph Smith himself was warned by the Lord. Remember the promises which were made to you, if you did not transgress them. C, three five. But even the prophet Joseph had his weakness, and the Lord reminded him First, how oft have you transgressed the commandments and the laws of God? Uh second, have gone persuasion to men? Third, you should have not feared man more than God. Uh, four, men have said it not the counsels of God, um, and despite his words, or in despise his words, I mean, yet you should have been faithful. Five, or fifth, thou was chosen to do the work of the Lord, but because of transgression, if thou are not aware, thou wilt fall. DNC 359, or 529. Um, We went to page 128, uh, middle of that then.
3: Yeah, so Joseph Smith in the Times and Seasons said if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, he set them down as imposters. And we're talking about the Doctrine and Covenants during his lifetime, not the one after that, the James section 110. Uh, and changed, added 132 and other things, so, but, and and the other thing too, so you've got a bunch of these quotes that are telling you not to trust people, and to go to God and get your own, you know, revelation and and that type of stuff, but the members of the church, they're following the leaders that are leading them astray, that are actually contradicting former revelation. And they even go so far as to say, we can't lead you astray. The leaders of the church could never do that. But it's interesting, because out of the other side of their mouth, they say, well, they're past leaders. And, oh, Brigham Young may have taught the Adam-God doctrine, but he didn't really mean it, and they gaslight you. And they lie to your face with a smile on their lips, telling you all the things that they think you want to hear. Because guess what? They want to be popular with the world so that they can get more converts. And uh, if you look at it innocently, you might think, well, they just want to save people. But you cannot be saved in ignorance. But if you look at it the way I look at it, They want to be popular with the world so that they can gain more converts, so that they can get more tithing, to build up their vast financial empire. This church has hundreds of billions of dollars in assets and in liquidable uh, uh, finances in stocks and bonds, building up Babylon the Great. But did you see them? do anything uh, during the pandemic to help people out with their billions and billions of dollars. I encourage people to look up on Google, Rabbi Google, as I like to say, about the Enzyme Peak account of the LDS Church and see what kind of trouble that they've gotten into because they just want so much money. And they say, oh this is in 2019 before the pandemic, they said, oh, this is for a rainy day. Well, guess what? We had a pandemic. It was a rainy day. Why aren't you help? Where are your soup kitchens? Where are your united orders? You don't care about the saints. I'm talking directly to the leaders. You are wolves in sheep's clothing, which which the prophets have seen in the past, and it is so, so interesting that the, the suits you wear – are made out of wool. Babylonian businessmen wearing wool suits. Go ahead, Emma.
0: Okay, continuing on. uh, What Joseph Smith, the man who saw and talked with the father and the son, might fall? If he could fall, then how much more more we need to be concerned about every subsequent president and apostle of the church? I'm Immediately
3: not, after the... Yeah? How often do you
0: You're breaking up a whole bunch.
3: I know. I'm in Wellington, Kai.
0: I think you skipped some stuff, because were are you on page
3: 128?
0: Uh-huh, but um, I finished the quote. Um, The first thing it says after it is what? Joseph Smith, the man who fought on top with the father and the son, might fall. If he could fall, then how much would we need to be concerned about every subsequent... uh, I see numbers. Mm -hmm. Section R, page
3: 128, I see how oft have you... Number one, how oft have you transgressed the commandments of the laws of God?
1: Number
0: two... That was was all part of one quote, so I finished that whole quote, and then...
3: Oh, okay. I was like... I I was confused about (laughs) where you were at. Okay, I get it.
0: All right, I'll mute myself. Thank you. Okay, yeah, uh, sorry about that mix up. uh, So it's like laid out as this list in a quote. So it looks like it's something separate from it, but it's a continuation of D&C 3, but it's verse 6 through 9. Uh, Anyways, continuing on. What Joseph Smith, the man who saw and talked with the father and the son, might fall? If he could fall, then how much more we need to be concerned about every subsequent president and the, or an apostle of the church. Immediately after the 1890 Manifesto, a doctrine called the leaders cannot lead you astray was instigated. It was obvious that many people questioned Wilfred Woodruff's issuing of the Manifesto or issuing the Manifesto. So to defend himself, he began to teach that doctrine by virtue of his position as president of the church. Lorenzo Snow supported the idea that when he presented, uh, he supported that idea when he presented the motion of accepting the Manifesto of the Church membership in that general conference. Uh, flipping the page over. Um, I move that recognizing Wilford Woodruff as the president of the church by virtue of his position to issue the Manifesto, DNC, Page two ninety two, nineteen eighty one edition. The manifesto was signed September twenty fourth, nineteen eighty, and within three weeks, President Woodruff said, "The Lord will never permit me or any other man who stands as president of the church, president of this church, to lead you astray." Deseret News, October eleventh, eighteen ninety, part two or page two. Um. Okay, that's the end of that page.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, so something interesting about the manifesto, Charles Penrose, uh, Penrose was the one who uh, who wrote the manifesto, which is a to whom it may concern uh, press release. They talk about a revelation, but the revelation was never given, and uh, if there was a revelation that it was supposed to be presented to the church for sustaining votes, which that uh, did not happen, they, they uh, presented the press release, which was not a revelation. God doesn't say, to whom it's my concern. No, that's not how it works. Um, Charles Penrose and Heber J. Grant have been trying to get him to sign the manifesto before that, But there's something interesting that happened. In the 1880s, Jesus Christ came personally four times, I think once to Wilfred Woodruff, the other times were to John Taylor, and he said, don't give in to the Gentiles. Do not give in to them. I am not rescinding these laws. And the last one was received by Wilfred Woodruff in either 1889 or 1890, And they were just going to play this game where they issued this manifesto. Now, something interesting, they continued to live plural celestial marriage and seal plural celestial marriages in the temple until 1910 when they had to do a second manifesto. It was a lie to beat the devil at his own game. His own game is lying. We don't do that. Anyway, but... um. And then, because the members of the church had been, uh, had it beat into their heads so much by Brigham Young, C. Campbell, John Taylor, and others, that these these principles would never be done away with, which they should never have been done away with, a lot of members of the church had a problem. They had a huge problem with it. So then, Wilford in Woodruff invents this other will never
0: breaking lead up. you astray. Okay, go ahead, Emman, I'll be it myself. Page one twenty nine. Uh-huh. Okay. Page one twenty nine. In nineteen seventy eight this doctrine was once again emphasized with the presentation of the next official declaration. Uh constituent assembly, meaning all the leaders of the church. Signed a statement saying they were recognizing Spencer W. Kimball as the prophet, seer, and revelator, and president of the church, in order to ordain the priesthood, without regard to race or color. DNC page 294. Neither of these official declarations were accompanied by a "Thus saith the Lord" revelation. Both were issued out of fear and pressure from the federal government. Explaining why he had issued that declaration three years later, or three years later, Woodruff said, I knew something had to be done to ward off the blow that I saw impending. Quoted in Way of the Master, uh, Marky e. Peterson, page 50. Uh, President Woodruff said that not a hand was raised against the manifesto, but at another time he admitted there were many members of the church throughout, uh, throughout Zion. Uh, who are sorely tried in their hearts, or tired, I think maybe, uh, because of that manifesto. And again, I have heard of many who are tr- tried in these things. Uh, Deseret News, November seventh, uh, eighteen ninety-one. Once again, in nineteen seventy-eight, there were many who tried in their hearts because of the church's compliance with political political civil rights programs and pressures. Both official declarations, nearly 100 years apart, were issued as compromises with the federal government. But the policies, or the politics of the government, I mean, has no place in religious issues, nor does the church have any responsibilities in adopting federal politics. Uh, Both have become corrupting influences. To justify the church's leader's actions, or the church leader's actions, Uh, The expression that the leaders can never lead the people astray has become very common during the last century. It sounds as though they were not sure of the direction they were going and needed to support each other. At the risk of overkill, consider the following 25 selections uh, proving this amazing phenomenon within the church. Um, Before I continue those selections, because it starts a new quote, we pass into page 130.
3: Okay, so um, the, the Declaration or whatever in 1978, that actually contradicts former Revelation. Joseph Smith said if they contradict former Revelation, set them down as imposters. Brigham Young said that the Canaanites could receive the priesthood at the end of the millennium, after all the other sons of God had the chance to receive it. And Zachariah, in your Bible... In the last chapter, chapter 14, in the last verse, in the millennium, he says, and in that day, in the millennium, there will be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord. Now, uh, that implies that there would have been a time when the Canaanites had gotten into the house of the Lord where they were not allowed to be. Now, uh, the doctrine is correct that you're not supposed to give the Canaanites the priesthood, and that you're not supposed to give um, give them the endowments or the anointings or anything like that. And that has to do with who they were before the pre in the preexistence. And I know that those things are true because I have seen a personal visitation or a uh, vision of those things. Where I saw the rebellion in the heavens, and Lucifer becomes Satan, and many people, actually all, almost all of the people went, and they, um, they went with Lucifer. They thought his plan was better, and it was through ignorance that they did this. It was only the elect of God who saw that that Jesus Christ's plan was the correct. And we went among the masses and taught them like preaching style, and many people came back into the fold. Now, the elect of God were given their race, choice, uh, whatever, at that time, and they all became, uh, after the flood, the house of Shep. Many multitudes became the house of Japheth, and all they were were those who who realized the error of their ways in following after Lucifer or Satan and uh, they repented and changed their ways. It was the house of Ham the Canaanites that did not want to go through with having free agency they wanted everything given to them and they wanted uh, they didn't want the free agency and there would be no growth in in, uh, mortality if they were doing that sort of thing. So uh, they became the house of Ham. Now, the worst of the worst, they didn't repent because they realized the error of their ways. They repented and came back over into the plan of salvation because they saw that they were on the losing team. So they made the decision to just go with Jesus Christ even though they did not want to do or to have the plan of salvation the way it was given. So they became the Canaanites. Now you've got many different uh, Ham had three three or four kids who were all from Egyptus and they were all all from Cain, but the Canaanites in Genesis chapter nine were cursed to be servants of servants and that they were cursed from the priesthood blessing and from temple blessings. Now, I'm sorry it's so horrible that somebody would say such a horrible thing, but the Canaanites have no place in the temple. Now, one interesting thing is that after Spencer W. Kimball did what he did sitting upon the throne of God, raising himself up above the the throne of God with a false revelation, he got throat cancer. And his two counselors, they became very sick as well. And uh, Gordon B. Hinckley had to be called as a third counselor, which had never happened before to my knowledge, because they needed to have somebody speak for them, and they were too sick to speak for themselves. There's like a, there's a ton of and the other thing too. Um, I think it was Marky Peterson that said nobody raised their hand in opposition. Bull crap. There were many who raised their hands in conference themselves. You can actually see the video of it if you look, if you know where to look on YouTube. I've seen the video for it on YouTube. But then the other thing too that happened is the patriarch of the church, Eldridge G. Smith, who died in 2013, he was the last patriarch called in the church. And he said, what lineage do you want these Canaanites to be called to within the House of Israel? They're not supposed to have a place in the House of Israel, only in that they can receive baptism and and those type of things and partake in the congregation but they are not to have the priesthood, and they are not to be in the temple of God. And Zechariah 14 says he sees a vision of the millennium. And in that day, in the millennial day, there will be no more Canaanites in the house of the Lord because they were not supposed to be there to begin with. That doesn't mean we hate them. It doesn't mean that we ostracize them in, that, uh, in, in uh, congregations and baptism and all of that. It doesn't mean that we're mean to them. They are children of God. But there is a consequence to the actions that they had in their first estate. And those consequences are binding while they are up in the, uh, in, in the flesh. And Brigham Young knew that they would receive the priesthood and have the temple blessings. But it wouldn't happen until well into the millennial day when all the other sons of righteous Seth and Abel were able to have the priesthood and the temple blessings given to them. So, and the other thing I want to say is uh, Ham had four, I think four sons, and they were all dark skinned, but only the Canaanites were um, only the Canaanites were uh, cursed from the priesthood and they were made a servant of servants as as recorded in Genesis chapter 9. So um, I had another thing to say, but I can't remember what it is, and I'm at Savage Yard right now, so I'm trying to pay attention to the traffic in here. I'm actually sitting in line, but I know that I'm going to break up in here. So go ahead, Emma. And uh, read to page 131, and then we'll see where we're at.
0: Okay, it left with the line. <laughs> um, okay, page 130. Um, I had finished part of that, was in the middle. Um, at the risk of overkill, consider the following 25 selections proving this amazing phenomenon within the church. Let us make up our minds to serve and honor God. Do not have any fears concerning the kingdom. The Lord will lead, will lead that, that all right. Oh, I'm having trouble with that. And if Brother Woodruff or any president of this church should take any course to lead you astray, the Lord will remove us out of the way. Wilford Woodruff, 1889, Collective Discourses or Collected Discourses, one two hundred ninety four. It is my faith that the Lord will never permit any man upon whose shoulders He places the authority and power to lead Israel, to go astray, or lead the children of God from the path of duty. The Lord will remove such a man from his place. Wilfred Woodruff, Collected Discourses, uh, 282. Uh, it's Wilfred Woodruff, 1890, Collected Discourses, 282. I say to Israel, the Lord will never permit me nor any other man who stands as president of this church, to lead you astray. It is not in the program. It is not in the mind of God. If I were to attempt that, the Lord would remove me out of my place. And so he will any other man who attempts to lead the children of men astray from the oracles of God and from their duty. Uh, I'm yawning a lot. God bless you. Amen. Wilfred Woodruff, 1890, Collected Discourses, 2 137. When our leaders speak, the thinking has been done. When they propose a plan, it is God's plan. Lord teaching lesson, June 1945. The authorities which the Lord has placed in his church constitute, for the people of the church, a harbor, a place of refuge, a hitching post, as it were, No one in this church will ever go far astray who ties himself securely to the church authorities whom the Lord has placed in his church. This church will never go astray, and the Quorum of the Twelve will never lead you into bypass. Uh, It never has and never will. Spencer W. Kimball uh, conference, I think, for report, April 1951, page
3: 104. Um, We are on page 131 now. C O N F is conference report. C H C is correlated history of the church. D H uh, C is doctrinal history of the church.
0: Okay, so, thank
3: you. Uh, you're doing you're doing really
2: good though. So,
3: um, just go That's ahead good. and
2: keep reading, and uh, okay. I will mute myself again.
0: Got it. Okay, so that was from Spencer W Gimble. Yeah, the conference report thing. Neither the president of the church nor the First Presidency will ever lead the saints astray. Lieutenant Alden Porter, con, uh, Conference Report, April 1955, page 94. Um, I say to all Israel this day, at this day, I say to the whole world, that the God of Israel who organized this church and kingdom never ordained any president or pre- presidency to lead it astray. Hear it, ye Israel, no man who has ever breathed the breath of life can hold these keys of the kingdom of God and lead the people astray. Bruce Harmakonke, Conference Report, October 1958,
3: page 117. Actually, I do have
0: something
3: to say. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry, okay. I'm just trying to pay attention to everything that's going on around me at the coal yard here. And I'm thinking yeah. of things that I don't want to say, but then I get distracted because I'm paying attention to everything that I'm doing. Um, okay, so they want you to believe that they'll never lead you astray. And as I said before, they said that Brigham Young led them astray, but whatever. If you go back in the book of Yerami Yahoo or Jeremiah, Jeremiah had to deal with a bunch of false prophets or prophets that led the church astray. They make my people to err. It's all over the dang place in the Old Testament. Now, if it was true then, it's true now that this can happen because people shouldn't be trusting in people to, to lead them without getting revelation for themselves that those things are correct, that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're living in the way that, that God would have them live. Now, if we go back just to the days of G- Jesus Christ, the leaders of the church were leading people astray in false doctrine. If you go back into the Book of Mormon, King Noah was, and his priests were leaders of the church. Now, they did the whole baptism and everything. That elders and deacons and priests didn't have to get reordained but they were rebaptized because the leaders of the church, King Noah, led them astray in false doctrines. And there had to be a restoration at that time through, through the servant Alma after the prophet Abinadi went among them. So we see examples of, of unrighteous leaders in the church leading people astray. It happens. That's why it's so mentioned so many times in the scriptures that we need to stop trusting in the arm of flesh and go to God and get revelation for ourselves so that we can know the truth for ourselves. All right, I'm going to mute myself. I'm next up to dump, so if I don't come on when you get to the next page, just uh,
0: go on without me, son. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay Um. Uh, which quote was I on again? We just got to the other page a second ago Bruce R. McDonkey, Conference Report October, yeah Now if we keep these things in mind We shall not be discovered by false teachings I remember years ago when I was a bishop I had President um, Heber J. Grant He just says President Grant But it's like one of those weird quotation boxes Um, I had President Heber J. Grant talk to our ward standing by me. He put his arm over my shoulder and said, My boy, you always keep your eye on the president of the church. And if he ever tells you to do anything and it is wrong and you do it, the Lord will bless you for it. Then with a twinkle in his eye, but you don't need worry. The Lord will never let his mouthpiece lead the people astray. Um, Marion G. Romney, I think his name is, quoting Heber J. Grant, um Conference Report October nineteen sixty, page seventy eight. The Lord will never let his prophet, the Seer, lead his people astray. Men in all ranks on this earth and in the church have fallen from grace, but the Lord will never permit the great prophet, our seer and revelator, to fall or lead the people astray. Theor M. Burton Conference Report October nineteen sixty one, page one hundred and two. Man, these quotes are long. <laughs> uh, keep your eye on the prophet, for the Lord will never permit his prophet to lead the, this church astray. Ezra Taft Benson, Conscience Report, October 1966, page 123. This does not imply the infallibility of man or infallibility, um, but it does imply the promise that no man or council of men who stand at the head of the church shall have power to lead the saints astray. John logged in, uh London, uh, conference report, April 1967, page 128. Okay, Dad, uh, we're at page 132.
3: Yeah, Theodore M. Burton was the bishop of the church. And actually, my trainer mm-hmm. when I was in the mission field was his nephew, Elder Burton. That's I thought cool. it was pretty cool, but yep. So you're getting all the names right, and you're doing a really good job. So uh, I am still up next, and I'm about to pull up on the Grizz, and I got to <laughs> jump out of the truck and get my safety gate latches, so my gates can open and my load can fall down onto the conveyor belt. So I probably won't be back for the next. Qu- uh, so just, just keep reading to the next page.
0: Okay. Uh, good luck. Don't trip or drop any coal. <laughs> Okay, we just got off of there. It says, uh, the Jung Longdon, the the path of safety for the same always has been in following their president. We are divinely promised that the president will never lead the church astray. Marky Peterson, The Way to Peace, page 285. Other presidents before him, uh, Joseph Fielding Smith and those weird things that are used to describe words they don't said but are supposed to be there, also have said that if we ever follow the leadership of the first presidency, we shall never go astray nor apostatize from the truth. Mark E. Peterson, the Sultan, the Savior, page 29. We have a living prophet who receives revelation from God in this day to guide us in this fast-moving world. Always follow the leadership of the first presidency and the brethren, and you need not fear the decisions of today john h vandenberg uh, era I believe it is June nineteen seventy page fifty nine uh continuing on to page nine o seven in the ensign book itself. There is one thing which we should have exceedingly clear in our minds: neither the president of the church. Nor the First Presidency, nor the united voice of the First Presidency and the Twelve will ever lead the saints astray or send forth counsel to the world that it is contrary to the mind and will of the Lord. Joseph Fielding Smith, Conference Report, April 1972, page 99. Members of the Church are taught that it behooves us as Latter-day Saints to put our trust in the presiding, uh, presiding authorities of the church. Joseph Fielding Smith, uh, Doctrine of Salvation, I believe it is. Doctrine of Sal. <laughs> uh, page 243. Do the people of the church want a safe guide to what is well for them to do? Uh, it is this. Keep in harmony with the presidency of this church. Joseph F. Merrill, Merrill, uh, 1941, Enzyme. October 1972, page 6. The saints are now told that they should follow the men who they sustain as prophets, seers, and revelators, for they will lead no one astray. Church News, March 17, 1973. Page 133, but he said continue reading, uh, just for saying it, I guess. With the warnings and safeguards such as the Lord provides, need anyone be deceived? If we follow the president of the church... Will need never go astray. Church News, August seventeenth, nineteen seventy four. President N. Eldon Tanner said, "Follow him, talking of the prophet, and in those quote things again, and you cannot go astray." The things we should do are things we should do. Speeches of the Year, uh, nineteen seventy six, page four hundred and fifty eight. Fourth, the prophet will never lead the church astray. Ezra Taft Benson, 14 Fundamentals in in Following the Prophets, February 26, 1980. We also have the precious promises concerning the president of the church that he will never lead the people astray. Neil A. Maxwell, all these things shall give the experience, page 102. I cannot imagine a body of men less likely to go astray or lead anyone else astray than the present leaders of the church. Hugh Nibley, Criticizing the Brethren, Sunstone, uh, August 26, page 24. Follow your leaders who have been duly ordained and have been publicly sustained, and you will not be led astray by Boyd K. Packer, uh, from Boyd K. Packer, I guess. Conference address, Enzyme, November 1992, page 73, and the last of the 25 selections. Um, Stand by the brethren, even if someday they are proven an error or inaccurate, it will be attributed to you for your righteousness, and the Lord will bless you. This is a basic principle. Ezra Taff Benson reported in Sunstone, December of 1994, page 32. Every dispensation has had its share of false prophets and teachers who have come along to oppose or betray the true prophets this was the case even at the time ta- the case even at the time of christ and his apostles the prophet joseph smith stated as fact false prophets always arise to oppose true pro- prophets uh teaching of prophet joseph smith the prophet joseph smith page uh 365 and he could have added false teachers as well it seems to be a continual pattern that exists as a test for the people Um, We are on page 134, which is why I sort of stopped when I said teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith, because it says, like, the page in the quote, so it says teachings of Smith, and then it says page, but then it says the page number, and then, like, a bunch of stuff. Anyway, Dad. Yeah, yeah, go. Um,
3: Okay, let's see here. Um, Okay, so there's three different versions of prophets. You've got your false prophets, and you got your true prophets, and then you got your fallen prophets, prophets who were true prophets, who, why did they fall? Because they departed from the path of God to the point where they began to do things that they ought not to have done. Balaam, I think, is one of, the, one of them. You know, there's, uh, there's a couple of different places in the Old Testament to talk about the fallen prophets. I, if I wrote the scriptures in my life, I could, have tell, you, I could tell you about many fallen prophets. But then you've got false prophets, too. And they will come along when God raises up a true prophet. Joseph Smith correctly stated that, that Satan will raise up false prophets at the same time. And he does. And um, they will look so very close to the truth. And they'll say so much, hold on, they'll say so many things that are so close to the truth, and they'll even give you truth, that at key points of doctrine, they will lead you astray. They will tell you lies. Like, for instance, section 124, people that know about it know about it, but they know what they think they know, but they don't know what they should know, <laughs> In section 124, Jesus tells Joseph Smith, build a temple whereby the Most High can come, that he, not Jesus, can uh, restore the fullness of the priesthood. Okay, so now we've got these false prophets who want to bring up one section 124 and say, look, the church has fallen, and Jesus, he was supposed to come to the temple, because he took the Melchizedek priesthood away from the people. And you read that, or you listen to them say that, and you read the text, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. It says it right here. If you read it closely, it's Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ says, build a temple to Joseph Smith in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, because this is the Church of Jesus Christ, where the Most High can come to other end, that he, not Jesus, can come and restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, here's another thing. It's the Father that is going to come, not Jesus. Now, in order to come into the presence of the Father, in his flesh, to come in his very presence, not a vision and not a dream, but he had to come lay his hands upon the people's head to give them the fullness of the priesthood. In order to come into his presence, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to come into his presence. You cannot come into his presence or you will be destroyed. You will not be able to withstand the presence of the Father without having the protection of the holy priesthood uh, correctly given to you. So, in order to come into his presence, you had to have the Melchizedek Priesthood, and Jesus was saying, build a temple where he can come to other, and that he might restore that which is lost unto you. If the Melchizedek Priesthood had been taken away from the people, as Denver, Snuffer, and others want to say, you would not be able to come into the presence of the Father to get the Melchizedek Priesthood. Because you've got to have it before you get into that place. Now, Joseph Smith also taught that all of the great prophets were ordained by God himself. And they were. I was ordained by God himself. I had the Melchizedek priesthood given to me by a man who was old as dirt. He was like 90-something years old. And he gave me his priesthood. He's in my line of authority through the LDS church. So I had the priesthood. And then I went into the, or I didn't go into the presence of the Lord. He brought me into his presence. He caught me up in the flesh, and I knelt down before him, and I had the Melchizedek priesthood to come into his presence. Because you can't come into his presence unless you have the priesthood. See, and then Denver Snuffer says other things, too. It goes along with the lies of Catholicism and the Roman pagan hijacking of early Christianity with the whole Easter morning, Sunday morning resurrection, which is a lie as well. And I gave him so much leeway, even though uh, we were invited to a restoration conference, and when he found out I was going to be one of the speakers, He and Adrian Larson, according to my friend who has since passed, he called me up and he said, Denver Snuffer says that if you're invited to the conference, that he won't come. Why? What is he scared of? Well, he's scared that I might expose the lies that he is uh, promulgating. So I wasn't invited to that conference. I was disinvited. I was one of the first, if not the first speaker... That they asked to be in that conference, and then when Denver Snuffer came along, okay. But I still was like, well, maybe he just doesn't so much leeway. And I'm on wash plants. Oh, this sucks. Let me just wait just tiny bit. Yeah, just a minute. Just be patient with me for just a minute here. I'm almost down to the bottom of wash plant. Usually when I come up to these places, I'm like, OK, Emmett, take it away. But then I'm like in the middle of talking about this. All right. In the spring conference in Grand Rapids, or not Grand Rapids, Grand Junction, Colorado in 2019, Denver finally slipped because of his arrogance and his lies. And he said that God showed him right at the beginning of daylight on Sunday morning that Jesus (laughs) was resurrected. Okay, well, that's interesting because in the scriptures it says Mary went there while it was still dark on the first day. Now, what Denver boy doesn't understand is the day starts at the uh, like right now. The sun just went down. Guess what? It's a new day. That's when the day starts, at sunset, not in the middle of the night and not in the morning. Hebrew understanding is night and day. It is the sun sets and you've got a new day. The Sabbath started on Friday night because the sun set and it lasted until Saturday at sunset. That was the Hebrew Sabbath. And by the way, that still is the Sabbath. The Lord's Day starts at sunset on Saturday, and it ends at sunset on Sunday because Jesus Christ was resurrected shortly after sunset on the first day of the week, which is the Lord's Day. The church, the early church met at night, on the Lord's Day after they spent all day in synagogue on the Sabbath. All right. Um, Let me think here. Oh, yeah. So Jesus said, one sign do I give, the sign of Jonah, where I will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Now, you can't say, well, he died shortly before sunset on Fridays, so that counts as a day, even if it's only 20 minutes, and then Saturday counts as a day, even if it's only 20 minutes, and then Sunday counts as a day, like, I don't know, I just, I don't get the logic. It's because Constantine, who hijacked the early Christian church, didn't understand that you have annual Sabbaths, high Sabbaths, and weekly Sabbaths. So when he reads, that, you know, they had to get him on the cross shortly before the Sabbath began. It was the Sabbath of Unleavened Bread. It was a high, holy Sabbath of Unleavened Bread, which in the year 28, which is the year Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, was on a Wednesday. Put into the tomb shortly before sunset on Wednesday. During the time when the Passover lambs were being slaughtered for the Passover. And this whole Last Supper thing being Passover, no. The rabbis in that day had a rehearsal meal the day before Passover began. That's why they didn't have lamb at the Passover, because it wasn't a Passover. It was a rehearsal. The Last Supper was a rehearsal. Jesus Christ was put to death shortly before Passover began on Wednesday Wednesday during the day when the Passover lambs were being slaughtered for the Passover meal or Pesach. He was in the tomb Wednesday night to Thursday night, Thursday night to Friday night, and Friday night to Saturday night, three days and three nights. And when Mary... Uh, they got him in the tomb, so, okay, so you got the 24 hours, Wednesday to Thursday, no markets open, it's a high holy Sabbath. On Friday, before the weekly Sabbath began, she was able to go and get the things that she needed to anoint her husband's body for burial, which she did. But then they had the weekly Sabbath, so she couldn't go to the tomb during the Sabbath. Uh, Friday night to Saturday night so she went shortly after sunset on Saturday and there were two guys standing there that she did not understand were angels but they were and they said why are you looking for the living among the dead he is not here he is risen Saturday night she went back in the middle of the night and uh, oh and she was in the garden tomb the next day and Jesus was like during the day, where have they taken my husband? She's seen two angels but she didn't know because, be not forgetful, to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So anyway, but yeah, she, he was resurrected on Saturday evening at the end of the third day and the third night. Anyway, go ahead, Emma. We're on page 134. I'll view myself.
0: Okay, uh, I got a couple of questions that I'll have to ask you later, but I'm going to continue with the reading right now. Um, Continuing on, um, Dwayne Crother, Crother, who has given considerable study into the gifts of prophecy and revelation, wrote in his book entitled, Thus Safe the Lord, the revelatory gift can be lost if an individual does not abide in Christ. The scriptures contain numerous warnings that prophets and revelators can and do fall into wickedness wickedness, and cease to be the moral instrument for the revealing of God's will. The danger that a prophet might fall is most clearly demon- demonstrated by citing the many warnings and conditional promises revealed to Joseph Smith in the Doctrine and Covenants. As part of his system of checks and balances, the Lord also revealed in the Doctrine and Covenants provisions for examining the conduct of general authorities, including the president of the church, should they fall into sin and error. The idea that a prophet will never lead the church astray is not a scriptural teaching. It appears to have originated with a revelation given through Joseph Smith to Heber C. Kimball in 1842. As Heber wrestled with a serious challenge to his personal testimony, the Lord said that if I see that there is any danger of his apostatizing, I will take to him myself or take him to myself. The concept evolved in the few instances where it was quoted by intimate acquaintances of Elder Kimball. In the evolution, the emphasis shifted from the Lord removing those who do wrong to leaders not leading the saints astray. It was not a revelation foretelling the future course of the church, but rather a specific promise made to one particular individual. The saith the Lord Crowther, Crother, however you pronounce that name, page 93. Okay, we're on page 135 now.
3: Dwayne Crowther. And the reason why I brought up that all was- of that before is because Denver Stafford actually came out and said that God and an angel to show him the resurrection. And this has happened at the very first light of Sunday morning. And I know that he is a liar because I have seen the resurrection. And I have seen the Garden of Gethsemane. God has showed me many things. Why? I know what I'm talking about. But I can also show logic in it like I just did. So I gave Denver all kinds of passes, thinking maybe he's one of the other witnesses, because God calls many prophets. It's just that many are called and few are chosen. The same, and I love this about Denver Snuffer, the same years that I had my things happen to me, he had the things happen to him in those same years. Like, it was amazing, and I was like, oh, God's going to, no. Joseph Smith correctly taught. And when God raises up a true prophet, Satan will bring one up too, and he'll be so very close to the truth, except for they'll be false prophets. They're there to be, uh, to be Judas goats. That's all they are. He's nothing more than a Judas goat. And what really pisses me off about Denver Snuffer is he has a huge following of people, and he's telling them, "Oh, we shouldn't gather right now. God never rescinded the command to gather." But we shouldn't do that, right? We should just wait. We should just wait for her, which is what we've been told by the other false prophets in the LDS church. And uh, he is wealthy. He's a lawyer. He is wealthy. Well, uh, in order to be uh, a Zion people, you've got to be equal in all things, okay? So he's got to give up his Harley Davidsons and his nice, fancy cars and, like, have a little bit more uh, humility, and, and you know, and, and have a united order. But they don't do it, because he is not a servant of God. He is just trying to get people to follow him, because he is nothing more than a Judas goat. And all a Judas goat does is they train up this goat to lead the sheep into the house of slaughter. And then right before, they go into the chute, where they get killed... The devil that that led the Judas or had the Judas goat lead the sheep, he gets taken out, and the, the sheep get pushed into the frickin' door, and they get mur or they get slaughtered. That's all a Judas goat is. He leads the people astray. Anyway, um, I'm going in sunny-side If I will be able to hear you, but I will be cutting out, so I will be myself.
0: Okay. Um good luck. hope you can hear me all the way. Uh, most likely you will be able to um ironically, this book by dwayne krather uh, I keep forgetting how to pronounce it was banned from the l d s bookstores. Comparatively few faithful men and women will ever prove themselves worthy to receive the promise of calling an election sure. The Lord promises them only that they will not be allowed to sin. So far that they will lose the reward Or that reward That promise has nothing to do with A particular church office Only with an individual's worthiness And he is still subject to Weaknesses, poor judgment, and failures An incident occurred in 1985 that shattered The theory of church leaders not being Led or leading others astray Mark Hoffman Or Hoffman uh a confessed deceiver and forger came into the national spotlight when it was showed that he had sold nearly 400 counterfeit documents, many of which had been purchased by Mormon church leaders. Uh, I keep yawning. A noteworthy example was published in a Salt Lake newspaper showing one of Hoffman's transactions with the current leaders of the church. This following photograph appeared in many newspapers at the time Mark Hoffman sold the bogus Anson Manuscript to the church leaders. Uh, N. Eldon Tanner, President Spencer W. Kimball, Marion G. Romney, George B. Hinckley, and Boyd K. Packer accepted the bogus manuscript as genuine. Uh, Gordon, Gordon, Gordon B. Hinckley, not George. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I read the different name. Uh, yeah. Gordon B. Hinckley. Go ahead. I, I said yes. it. Okay. But we're on page 136. Um, And if you would Go like ahead. to check out the Facebook page, there's this pretty interesting in, image from the Salt Lake City Tribune, September 19, um, 1992. So because,
3: you, because you're reading it in the book, you can see the pictures. But people reading it online will not be able to see the pictures. So sorry, everyone. Awesome. Yeah, all it is uh, is they're all sit- uh, they're all standing around the table looking at this forgery that uh, that Hoffman did, and he was a gifted forger. This guy, oh my gosh, they still, they still yeah. cannot tell what some of his forgeries. With all this, this technology that we have, they still can't tell which ones are true and which ones are false. It's just by his word. Yeah, just because he sold true, true documents as well. But he also sold forgeries. And the church paid out millions to this man for these forgeries. That, and the picture that Emma's referring to is they're all standing around a table, and all these church leaders are looking down at this document because they're really interested in what this Anton letter had to say. And it was a lie. And the guy went on to murder people to try to cover up his lies. And he's sitting in the Utah State Prison. I think he's still alive. But, yeah, and they couldn't tell. These guys, if they would just take it and they were like, oh, this is really interesting. This document, awesome, I believe it's true. Heavenly Father, I found are, this document has been presented to me. And I believe it's true. And help me to know that it's true. And in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, what what would happen? The Spirit would withdraw from them, and they would know that it was false, because the Spirit would leave them, and the buffetings of Satan would come upon them, which is the exact opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, and they would know that it was false, and then whatever. But they couldn't even do the basic, simple confirmation, let alone getting any kind of revelation. You know, and then you've got Dallin Oaks recently in the last couple of years. It's wrong to criticize the leaders, even if the criticism is true. Now, you're fallen or false, and I believe the latter, false prophets. Babylonian businessmen building up, building up Babylon instead of Zion. And... Um, You have no interest in actually doing or keeping the commandments of God. You want to make everything smooth and nice so you can be popular with the world. God doesn't care about quantity. He is going to save us all, except for the sons of perdition anyway. He wants a people who will do all that he has commanded, as Genesis chapter 9 of the Joseph Smith translation says. When a people keep all that I have commanded, Zion will be redeemed with the church of the firstborn, and it'll come to, up out of heaven, and that's when Adam and Edom happens. So there has to be a people who will, who will stop listening to these liars like Russell M. Nelson and Denver Snuffer, and they will be obedient to God's word and keep his covenants that he has given to them that they will live the law of consecration with United Orders, plural celestial marriage, and the law of adoption, which is also done away by will, Willie Woodruff back in 18, the 1890s. And all the other things. You've got to be obedient if you want Zion to be redeemed. And Jesus ain't coming back until Adam Adam comes back, and Adam doesn't come back to Adam and I'm diamond until there are the people who will be obedient. Because the church of the firstborn doesn't come uh, down out of Zion until Zion comes down out of heaven. So, you're following those leaders that led that seven-mile race, and they made a wrong turn. So it doesn't ever say how far they ran. It just says from the turn... After 10 miles, 7-mile race, they're still running, and they were like, where are you guys guys going? Well, we're just following the leaders, because we're not going to the right place. And finally, somebody was like, hey, uh, the judges said that this was the correct path, so I'm going to follow it. And uh, whether that guy said to other people, hey, uh, those guys are going the wrong way. How about you follow – because he's racing, right? He doesn't – He's like the only guy running across the finish line and everybody else is like, Where's all the other people at? Go find them. After ten miles of running, a seven mile race, they finally were found, right? That's that's like myself. I see the correct path because God has shown me the way and I have studied the scriptures for myself to see that the way that the leaders are going is not the way that the judge has declared that we should go and in Hebrew when that happens those people are in iniquity Yeah, they are go ahead Emma
0: man I gotta say it's kind of funny knowing that the longest race ever run that was 7 miles was 10 miles long (laughs) um Ten years after Hoffman's exposure, two Salt Lake Tribune articles recap the major events. Pertinent excerpts follow. Uh, among Hoffman's first forgeries was the Anson manuscript. Anson, I think, um, which he said he found folded in an old, in old Bible. The uh, brittle and yellow document seemed to contain ancient characters copied by church founder Joseph Smith. Hoffman traded the manuscript to church leaders for $20,000 worth of other valuable documents in 1979. Nobody noticed that Hoffman had used Elmer's glue to paste the document into the Bible. His finds began to cast Smith and other early church leaders in the unflattering light of charlatans and folk magicians. Um, Page 137. I uh, keep going now, Matt. Okay. One of the dozens of people duped by Hoffman's forgeries was Gordon B. Hinckley, not George. <laughs> then second counselor in the church's first presidency and now church president. For $15,000, Hinckley bought a letter from Hoffman supposedly linking church founder Joseph Smith to money digging and magic, which went against traditional Mormon accounts. In 1985, the church enlisted Steve Christensen – Steve is, like, in he's just as Christensen in the original um, – to act as a mild middleman, uh, as a middleman, um, to buy from Hoffman the documents of Willen, Willem McLean, or McWellen, a former Mormon apostle who became one of Smith's harshest critics. Sir Hoffman missed several deadlines – for producing the collection and cashed a $185,000 signature loan secured by Hugh Pinnock, Pinnock, uh, a high church official. Christensen issued an ultimatum. Hoffman was able to turn over the collection October 15th, or face exposure. Salt Lake Tribune, October 14th, 1995. The media and anti-Mormons had a heyday with incriminating information as it was uncovered. Mr. Hoffman was well acquainted with the former church archivist Donald Schmidt and sometimes met with Gordon B. Hinckley of the church's first presidency. Hinckley and Apostle Boyd K. Packer often gave approval for the church to to purchase Hoffman's documents. Tracking the White Salamander, Tanner, page 49. The Salt Lake Tribune, October 21st, 1985, stated that Gordon B. Hinckley admitted that the church had bought 40-some documents through Hoffman. According to the Deseret News, on April 12, 1986, the number was nearly 10 times that amount. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, April 12 of 1986, Mormon officials have released the descriptions of almost 400 documents. And the court records received as if traded, or by. On March 1980, reported M3 W. A gratitude to Brother Hoffman for his discovery. 38. I think he might be out. Okay, of terror, I him?
3: think. I think you're actually breaking up. Where you're sitting in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't usually break up right here, but um, so uh, you can watch a documentary on Netflix about the Hoffman forgeries. I think it is on Netflix. It's it's fascinating. It's very interesting, and it just came out this spring. I think it was. Uh, you yeah, know, I for anybody who's interested. Yep. So, anyway, um, I am going up the mine road, so I might even just cut out and have to call back in. There's a four-mile gap where it really sucks, but I will call back in as soon as I get the other side of this little path that I have to go through. So, uh, I will interrupt you as soon as I get to the other side.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I think okay. it might have just been the spot I was sitting in because I had one bar over there. Um. Anyway, oh, okay. continuing on um page 138. To have the church prophet, seer, and revelator give his endorsement to this forger, opened the door and made it easy for Hoffman to lead others astray. As a result, several people were financially devastated, and some professionals ruined because of forgery transactions with Hoffman. Hoffman's financial enterprises became increasingly lucrative for him. The Anthem transcript or transcript. Oh my gosh. I'm saying manuscript and transcript at the same time. Um, the Anthem transcript sold for $25,000. The salamander letter netted $40,000. The MacLellan collection, a $185,000 and hundreds of other items brought in or brought Hoffman a very profitable income. But, as a result of his criminal dealings with various LDS church departments, Deseret Book closed the Ridge Book Department. BYU Special Collections now has a very limited budget, and the church archives accepts only donated items, all of which could have been avoided had there been true prophets to detect this false prophet and expose him as a fraud. It was indeed a devastating experience. Her church leaders and a blow to church members who thought their leaders could not be led astray. Even non-members wondered how LDS church leaders could be deceived by phony documents pertaining to their own doctrine and history. I have one bar again, so I might be cutting out. Uh, another twist of offense resulting from the Hoffman case revealed that when church leaders were preparing to buy the Mcwellan collection, it was discovered that the church already had that collection in their possession, and it had been there since 1908. Pleaded guilty in the, a plea bargain. Prosecutor Jerry or Gary, uh, G-E-R-R-Y, D-L-E-S, said the plea bargain left unanswered the question of whether the LDS church played a part in getting the case resolved without a public trial. Otherwise, the church leaders would have been brought into a very embarrassing public trial. Page 139. To say that leaders cannot go astray supports the principle of compulsion and lack of free agency. Two concepts that disrupted premortal life. Why shouldn't leaders be allowed to make poor choices, even bad ones? Shouldn't they have that experience so that they can learn what others' temptations are like? To say that church leaders cannot go astray is not even scriptural. Nowhere did the Lord tell people to follow leaders instead of him. Jesus never told the people to follow Peter because he would never go astray. He instead exhibited his personal weaknesses. What if people had followed Judas because he was a chosen apostle of Christ? If the person and, and other leaders of the church cannot go astray, why have current leaders ceased to follow their, pre- or their previous leaders? Spencer Kimball, Mark Peterson, Bruce McConkie, and others... Have accused Brigham Young of teaching false doctrine, which is the same as saying that Brigham Young was leading the people astray. If Brigham Young could teach false doctrine, then by the same reasoning, we know the present leaders can do the same. Men have weaknesses because they are mortal men. Prophets, seers, and revelators are also men. For as the prophet Joseph Smith said, a prophet was only a prophet, and was a prophet only when he was acting as such. DHC, uh, I don't remember which one that is, 5265. A seer is only a seer when he acts as such, and a revelator is only a revelator when he receives revelation. (coughs) Uh, Hold on. Oh, man, I'm having a bit of an asthma attack. Yeah. It seems there are more and more incidents that are discovered where it demonstrates that church leaders are not acting under inspiration or revelation from God. For example, a recent newscast reported that two men were given temple recommends and were sealed to each other in marriage in the Salt Lake City Temple, page 140. Another fraud similar to Mark Hoffman was the celebrated DJ Nelson, uh, spelled out DJ, not just the letters. Popular lecturer at BYU, this man claimed to be a professor of Egyptology with two Ph.D.s, the, word, or the world's leading authority on Egyptology, etc., and was soon referred to as the number one authority on the Book of Abraham. Christian churches gladly accepted his denunciations of that manuscript, and anti-Mormons quoted him extensively, especially Gerald and Sandra Tanner. However, Robert and Rosemary Brown learned and recorded that, and this is a quote, in Nelson's two-hour tape lecture on February 22nd, 1980, at the Central Christian Church in Mesa, Arizona, 96 statements were found to be false or misleading. Um, They lie in wait to deceive, volume one, uh, page VI. Uh, I don't remember which Roman numeral is that. Or it might be part B.I. Introduction. D.J. Nelson did not have two PhDs. He had two years of high school and less than one quarter of college. His degree from Pacific Northwest College was from a diploma mill, which required no classes, no exams, no study. His diploma for a doctorate degree cost $195 for the order form, and that university was later shut down by the Attorney General of Washington. D.J. also claimed a degree from the Oriental Institute of the University of Chicago. But the Browns checked on that and learned that Nielsen had never even been registered and was never given a degree of any kind. D.J. claimed to be the author of eight books and 130 scientific papers and articles. In actuality, he co-authored, which means you write with another person, one book on pyramid energy which is outside the study of Egyptology, and wrote several anti-Mormon booklets, which were supported and printed by Gerald and Sansa Tanner. After reading these, the Browns wrote, Isn't it easy to see that both Nelson and the Tanners are guilty of deception? I B I D. I I-B-I-D? I don't know which one that is. I-B-I-D dot. Page 159. Another person duped in this Nelson fiasco was the anti-Mormon Walter Martin, who said, Professor Nelson was the most brilliant Mormon Egyptologist lecturer at BYU, international authority in the Egyptian language, and whose credentials cannot be challenged. They lie in wait to deceive volume one, page 161, or 116, not
2: 161.
0: By the way, we are on page 141 of the Holy Priesthood, Volume 5, in the second volume of the Ensign of the Nations. Continuing on. Unfortunately, the negative effects of such a work, Hanner's, do not deceive just the blind Gentiles and Christians, but even confuse many of the Mormons. For there are yet, or there are many yet on earth among all sects, parties, and denominations, who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. DNC and 123 12. Many Mormon people have been duped into thinking such scholars know what they are talking about, but most of them do what they do for money and practice a form of priestcraft. Why does God allow such deceptions, false claims, false doctrines, and priest crafters among the true saints of God to give them experience and to test their integrity, discernment, and faith in God rather than man? False prophets must have always had their place and always will, as it must needs be, that there is opposition in all things. Second, Nephi, I believe, any? Uh, 2.11? 2.11? And there will certainly be a greater deceptions to come. Brigham Young, White, uh, starting page 142 uh, before this quote. Were your faith concentrated upon the proper object, your confidence unshaken, your lives pure and holy, everyone fulfilling the duties of his or her calling according to the priesthood and capacity bestowed upon you, you would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it would be as impos- as impossible for any man to deceive and lead you to destruction. As for a feather to remain unconsumed in the midst of a tent seat, J.D., Journal of Discourses, I guess, 7277. With this gift of discernment, the saints would be able to detect that the follow the brethren doctrine that is so popular in the church, the LDS church today, is certainly not the same thing as Christ's instructions to come follow me only a sampling of instances where this has been taught since the turn of the century are included here. Just as we we must learn to follow the brethren in small things so that we cannot follow them in large things, or so that we can follow him in large things. We cannot fully respond to the divine innovation, invitation. Come follow me, unless we are willing to follow the brethren. Neil A. Maxwell, all these things shall give the experience. Page 96 and 121. I'm sorry, sometimes when I'm reading, like, words get jumbled up. Hold on, i got to sneeze. Okay, uh, continuing on. Sorry about that. Um, our prayers offered in her families for strength and commitment to follow brethren who lead the Savior's Church as they continue, or no, not as they continue, as they counsel us on pertinent issues, Sacred Truths of Doctrine and Covenants, Otten and Caldwell, Volume 1, page 153. I assure you, my brethren and sisters, that it is an easy thing to be a follower of Brother Spencer Kimball, both in making addresses and in the work of the church. Uh, S. Dilworth Young. I don't know what S is for. Uh, conference report, April nineteen fifty five, page ninety eight. Follow the brethren. Listen to the brethren. Um, Harold Beale, stand ye in holy places, page three hundred and eighty five. Page one hundred and forty three. Uh, Dad, are you there? I think you might be <sighs> yeah, I'm busy. here. I'm just
3: getting loaded.
0: Okay. You got it. And we got three One pages of the problems, left, right? I think so, yeah. because so 146, is said? Yep. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. One of the problems, however, with following the brethren today is that we are asked to follow brethren who failed to follow their brethren. They set us a poor example when it is so evident that they teach different from what their brethren taught. Why should we follow leaders who failed to follow theirs? Many recorded sermons and writings of early church leaders are in serious conflict with sermons and writings of the present leaders, and are being condemned today as false doctrines. Uh, I think a good example of that would be things Brigham Young said all, all over the place, and some things Joseph Smith said too.
1: Um, the
0: prophet Joseph Smith gave a solution to the conflict. Our only confidence can be in God. Our only wisdom obtained from Him. And he alone must be our uh, yeah must be our protector and safeguard spiritually and temporally, or we will fall, or we fall or fail. Uh, teaching Prophet Joseph Smith, page two hundred and fifty-three. All of the scriptures, the words of ancient prophets, and our own common sense tell us that we should seek God or seek to God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit for our guidance. Guidance. Okay, so. A friend once said I love the brethren, but they didn't die for me. Our greatest love and honor goes to him who does the most for us. See Luke uh, seven forty one to forty three. The scriptures make the doctrine of the following or of following the Lord the only sure path to take. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. <laughs> All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, uh, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. John ten four 4-5, 7-8, and 14. Ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, and as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John uh, ten twenty six to 28 And we are on page 144. Yep. Okay, um, if I
3: don't get down before you're done with the
0: reading, just
3: preview the next chapter by reading the first page. Uh, one thing oh. I wanted to say before uh, before I go into the void here <laughs> is um, in the Old Testament there was a prophet who was told specifically by God what to do, and then another prophet was told to tell that one prophet to do something different to test the prophet to see if he would be obedient to God or just trust in some other guy. Well, he trusted in some other guy who was also a prophet. And God allowed him to be destroyed. Because you don't trust in the flesh, you trust in God. You do what God says. And uh, I know people who are prophets who were told to do certain things, and they didn't do it, and they had the curse of God come upon them. You know, and they, they got revelation from God himself. So, uh, you know, if prophets can deceive prophets, to test prophets, how much more so can they deceive the sheep? And go ahead.
0: Okay. uh, Continuing on, if I can find where I was, we just flipped over to page 910 in the Insights of the Nations book. If we follow the Lord, we are promised eternal life. If we follow impostors, we are not his sheep and have no promise. So many sheep today, however are following blindly without recognizing and following the true shepherd. The following illustration has a strong message. Uh, it's a picture of a bunch of sheep and someone in there saying, excuse me of them. Um, it says, out of harmony, many are called, but few are chosen. Um, page 145. It is easy to see that the black sheep is the only one going the right direction And the only one that may be saved. Yeah, there's a black sheep somewhere in the middle of the picture going against the flow. And it's like a whole bunch of sheep walking off a cliff. And there's a black sheep going the opposite direction saying, excuse me again. Um, Yeah, this is an illustration. (laughs) Okay, anyways, continuing on. It's easy to see that the black sheep is the only one going in the right direction. And the only one that may be saved. He is not following the crowd because he is an independent thinker. And not... and not a blind follower. Actually, the single black sheep should be white and all the others should be black. Or, and all the others black. Good Young summed up the situation very clearly. Now those men or those women who know no more about the power of God and the influences of the Holy Spirit than to be led entirely by another person, suspending their own understanding and pinning their faith upon another's sleeve, will never be capable of entering into the celestial glory to be crowned as they anticipate. They will never be capable of becoming gods. They cannot rule themselves to say nothing of ruling others. But they must be dictated to in every trifle, like a child. Uh, They cannot control themselves in the least. But James, Peter, or somebody else must control them. They can never become gods, nor be crowned as rulers of eternal glory, immortality, and eternal lives. They never can hold the scepters of glory, majesty, and power in the celestial kingdom. Who will? Those who are valiant and inspired with the true independence of heaven, who will go forth boldly in the service of their gods. Leaving others to do what they please, determined to do right, through all mankind, besides should take the opposite course. Will this apply to any of you? Your own hearts can answer. Uh, Journal of Discourses, I believe. It's JD, 1, 312. This does not mean the Lord hasn't sent nor can still send the saints true prophets to help instruct and guide his people. The important key to remember, however, is to follow leaders and prophets only as they follow the Lord. Moses' Thatcher stated that members should follow their leaders as they follow Christ, and we will be safe. Well, says one, are our leaders, or are not our leaders, liable to go astray? Why, yes, certainly they are. Collected Discourses, November of 1891. The time... Uh, he made this statement, there will be, or uh, there s- will still a few leaders with this understanding. Uh, the question is often asked, where is the scripture? Does it say that church leaders have been led astray or have led the people astray? To mention a few, consider the transgressions demonstrated in the lives of Moses, Aaron, Balaam, 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 I think it is actually. David, Solomon, and even Zenos, Yep. son uh, in the Book of Mormon. Salem, yeah. It's got a lot of A's. Anyways, we're also on one page 146 now. So I'm going to finish this okay, up. Okay,
3: so hold on real quick. Uh, one of the reasons why the church doesn't want you to read the Journal of Discourses is because they told you the truth back then, to a point. I mean, there's some things that Brigham Young said that I'm like, uh, no, but... Uh, For the most part, they told you the truth about the true state of affairs. And that contradicts what the church wants you to know now. So they got these uh, correlation departments, and they tell the sheep, you're not allowed to read over here. You can only read what we want you to read. (laughs) Okay, well, that black sheep, he's going to read what he wants to read. And he's going to find out the truth, and if he anything worth his weight, he's going to take the, the things that he reads, and he's going to make sure it's from God, yes. and he's going to get revelation from God, and build himself upon the rock of revelation, not the fans of speculation, and certainly not trying to ride the coattails of other people into heaven. A true prophet will always teach true doctrines, whether they stand in it or not, like Elijah, and they will teach the people how to go to God, not to follow them.
0: So, anyway, go ahead and finish it up. Okay, we only got a little bit more to go. Um, yeah, there was the whole thing with Balaam, Balaam, that weird name, <laughs> and even Zenith's son Noah from the Book of Mormon. For specific accounts, see Appendix A. Uh, I think that's just in the book, but I'm not sure. And of course, the examples of Cain and Judas could also be mentioned here, but their cases are discussed elsewhere in this book. If any of us realize that we are being deceived and led astray, we should ask ourselves, is it because, one, our faith is not sufficient when we properly directed? Two, our lives are not holy in enough; Three, our emphasis is too much on the things of this world. Four, we are not using the holy priesthood as we should. Five, Through our own sins, we have invited such deceptions into our lives. And lastly, six, we have followed our fallible leaders blindly. Our only sure guide is to hold to the iron rod and follow the eternal word of God. Now we are on page 147, so I'm going to leave it to Dad.
3: Okay, the phone lines are now open for anybody who wants to call in with, with any questions or comments. I might just read one more page for the preview for the next chapter along with the title to that page.
0: Okay. Chapter 11, The Need for Devils and False Prophets. There is evil in the world, and there is also good. Was there ever a counterfeit without a true coin? No. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, 7, 240. It is sometimes difficult to understand why God created such a beautiful world and then allowed evil, sin, and wickedness to have so much domain over it. Where does this evil come from? Isaiah records this answer. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form in the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Isaiah, I believe, 45, 6, and 7. But why does God put evil on the earth that he created? This has been the great mystery to both Protestant and Catholic scholars, and there are very few good answers. Bible scholars have commented, to what extent physical sufferings are the necessary means to greater good? Is, However, a great question. Oh, uh, under Bible uh, dictatings, I think, maybe? Discourses, maybe? Page two hundred er, 329. Of this problem, some have been embittered. embittered. Uh, Zondervan. Uh, encore of the Bible, I think. E-N-C. <laughs> God is against evil, but its existence is often a stumbling block to believe in a God of love. Uh, the illusionary Bible discourses? Uh, dictating? I don't know. 147, and Dad, that is the end of page 147, beginning of 148. Okay, good deal. All
3: right, so we don't have any callers. I just dropped off for a second because I was at the top of Barrel Hill.
1: Sometimes I don't
3: drop, sometimes I do. Sometimes I can talk all the way through it, and it doesn't matter, but it's not a drop off. Anyway, so yeah, the next chapter that we'll be reading tomorrow is The Need for Devils and False Prophets, Chapter 11 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5. Um, and you just got done reading that, Emma? Uh Yep,
0: the first page or whatever. Okay, okay, okay good deal.
3: All right, well, uh, we try to be on every night at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Sometimes things don't work out, like on Thursday. Uh, My wife had to go take the daughter to the game, and I was going to read, but then I fell asleep in my chair, and uh, I was going to go to work, too, but uh, my wife, oh, my gosh, I was so tired. My wife woke me up at 1030 when she came home, and she was like, are you going to go to work? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. So it was, it was the extra sleep I needed, and that night I was able to pull a 14-hour shift from 11:30 when I finally rolled out of the yard till about 1:30 p.m. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the radio show tonight. I'll be fine. And that obviously didn't happen because that night I was like dead to the world again. So, I mean, these things do happen. We try, if this was just a regular podcast, it wouldn't matter. But since we're trying to have a radio show, it kind of does matter. And I do try to to do what I say I'm going to do. But it's like I told my boss the other day. I pointed at my head. I said, this thing right here wants to do so much more than this thing right here pointing at my body wants to do. I'm just tired. I'm only, I'll be 44 at the end of this month. But if you know anything about my life, you know I have lived a very hard life. And this body is not very happy about what I've been through. (laughs) So, (coughs) excuse me. All right. Well, Emma, I will call you right after the radio show. Do not hang up until the music stops, and then go ahead and hang up when the music stops. And, uh, okay. Mom I'm home yet.
0: Goodbye. Just barely, I think they're getting here. Um, okay, cool. I'll say, like, goodbye or something when the music's done. <laughs> oh, hold
3: on, hold on. No, don't say anything when the music's done. Just mute yourself. You had some questions. When I was saying things, do you remember what any of those questions
0: were? I remember a couple of them. Uh, I only really, really, like, distinctly remember one. Why did they have, like, a – it was talking about Passover. Why did they have a rehearsal Passover before it? Is For any reason, particularly? Well, why do they have a rehearsal? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to know because it seems like an interesting oh. concept.
3: Okay, well, um, Passover is supposed to be done in a very specific way, and you only do it once a year. The rabbis lead the Passovers, wow. and so they wanted to make sure that they went over everything the way it was supposed to be done so the next day they would have it fresh in their mind. But a lot of people think that Jesus' Last Supper was the Passover, because there are things in the Passover that are very interesting, that are very Like, they're similar to what a Passover is. And the only reason for that is because it's a rehearsal, and that's what they did. They still do it. Uh, They're still Pharisees. They're called rabbis. They're Orthodox Jews. They still do it um, on the correct day, on the correct day of the month, uh, according to the Hebrew calendar, which we can find in the Old Testament. And the reason why there was no lamb is because it was the rehearsal meal. Jesus Christ was the Passover lamb. They slaughtered the lambs during the time Jesus was being crucified. And he was in the tomb on uh, right after sunset when the Pesach or Passover meal was supposed to be like started. He was in the tomb because he was the Passover lamb. He was also the first fruits, which is the next, uh, the first day of the week after the weekly Sabbath, after the high and holy Sabbath. When he said, "Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, your Father, my God and your God," because uh, he was the first fruits, and he was presenting himself as a resurrected being on the first day of the week just like the first fruits is supposed to be done um you know so anyway did you have
0: any other questions not currently Uh, i think that's everything okay
3: and uh we like to do passover we don't like killing the lamb or the goat, because you can use a goat as well. And we actually have a herd of goats, which are the biggest pains of the buds. But I love goats. I love goats, and I like the way they taste. Uh, well, if they are properly prepared. But I don't like killing anything. I cry every time I have to kill an animal. I hate it. But, um... You know, for people to think it's brutal or inhumane, when you properly kill a Passover lamb or goat, it has to be over 10 days old and not more than a year old at the time of Passover. You take... The last one that we did, I held the baby. It was like two weeks old. And I comforted him the whole time. And I took the blood vein, or the artery, in his neck, in my fingers, and held it, and then a very, very sharp knife made an opening in the uh, artery, and we held it until it went to sleep. And it did not cry. It was in a very loving place, very comforted. And um, I think that, like capital punishment. I wish that they would, like, strap them down, uh, you know, and, and bleed them out. Like, it hurts a little bit, but it's not cool and humane and uh, whatever, you know. But I was just thinking about that the other day, because uh, on my YouTube channel, FundamentallyMormon.com, or no, FundamentallyMormon YouTube channel, or YouTube.com, Forward slash user forward slash God is my compass. I've been uploading old radio shows that are about to come off of iTunes. In fact, I'm uploading two of them right now as we speak on my other phone. And um, I was just listening to it, and I was thinking about that because they were talking about capital punishment. So um, there's something to. Uh, to that that we'll, we'll not get in right now, but I read a whole book on it a couple of years ago called Blood Atonement. So and I don't agree with Brigham's Blood Atonement, but uh, there is a thing about blood atonement. I mean, Jesus Christ atoned with his blood. So anyway, all right, well, uh, I will uh, play the music, and uh, we don't have any callers. We'll be back on tomorrow unless something happens at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and at the end of the reading for tomorrow, we will take phone calls. Emmett, go ahead and meet your mic. Do not hang up until the end of the music. At the end of the music, just hang up, and I'll call you okay. after success.
0: Okay. I was going to say okay. That's it.
3: Okay. There we go. Good night, everybody. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.
0: Uh, Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.